guys, my Auroras and Sad Pros sweatshirt came in. I love it. I do love it. It's it's big enough to fit Kelly comfortably. I like got my size and it should not fit Kelly, but I guess it's oversized because it fits him. He keeps saying that it's his sweatshirt. It came in and it was so long that he was like, let me try this on. And he put it on before I even got to. And oh, I'd be mad. <laughs> It was fine. But he literally put it on and <laughs> he ran around in it for a few minutes and was like, this is mine. Thank you. Thank you for this Taylor Swift sweatshirt. <laughs> LOL. No. <laughs> it's very comfy. I've been wearing it for like three days. No shame. Anyway, should we get started? <laughs> we should. On that note. <laughs> Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down. And wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan. To find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. Okay. Let's dive right in. So today we're going to be discussing Tied Together with a Smile, and I can't remember what number it is. Six, right? Six. No. No. Seven. 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 <laughs> it's because we, for- we forget about the outside. The outside. <laughs> Justice for the outside, man. I yeah. literally it's forgot so and thought that, like, the last one we did was Cold as You, but I think we did Cold as You and the outside in, like, the same recording, and so that's why I'm very confused. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about Tied Together with a Smile, which is the seventh song on Taylor Swift's debut album. Yay, snap, snap, snaps. <laughs> and some general background is this song was written about Taylor's friend who had an eating disorder, which I didn't even know about, but it makes perfect sense with the lyrics. It was released October 24th, 2006. It's four minutes and 11 seconds long. It was written by Taylor and Liz Rose. The producers were Nathan Chapman and Chad Carlson. And that's all I got from my background. Cool. So we can move on to quotes from Taylor. She said, and again, it's getting like really hard for these like deep cuts on debut to find accurate or like reliable sources. Right. So this is from Song Facts again. It says, I wrote the song Tied Together with a Smile the day after I found out that one of my best friends who, a little backstory on her, she's gorgeous. All the guys want to date her. All the girls want to be her. She's literally a pageant queen. I wrote this song the day I found out that she was bulimic. And, you know, that is one of those moments when your heart kind of stops. How can somebody that seems so strong have such a horrible, horrible weakness something that is killing her luckily i have talked to her about it and she has gotten help and she's fine now and she also told entertainment weekly kind of the same story she said i wrote tied together with a smile about one of my friends who is this beauty queen pageant princess a gorgeous popular girl in high school every guy wants to be with her every girl wants to be her i wrote that song the day i found out she had an eating disorder There are a couple of songs on the album like that that are just watching other people and making observations. 
but most of the songs on the album are about actual people that have been in my life. I tend to be kind of blatantly obvious, and with my songs, I'll even mention names a lot of the times, which we know. Um, so that doesn't really have anything to do with this song in particular, but it kind of t- like gives backstory about how she was writing a lot of the songs on this album, which is like she was just observing people. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I'm really glad she said that in an interview like a long time ago, because you see from debut, she has like, is you know, people love to make that like, she only writes breakup songs about her ex-boyfriend's argument. And like, as fans, we all know that like, that's not true. But this is evidence from debut. She has written multiple songs from like, about other people that really had nothing to do with her life. So yeah, but that's all the quotes that I have. I will say that she was like super young when she wrote the song and she was like giving interviews about it. And I would not, I, as someone with a degree in psychology, I would not say that bulimia is a weakness. That's not how like eating disorders are categorized. But again, she was super young. This was like 2007. We like as a society didn't know a whole lot about eating disorders and it was super like controversial almost like to, have an eating disorder it was like we lived in this time where Paris Hilton and you know Britney Spears were all stick thin I mean not to be rude or anything but they were like skin and bone it was basically like you know the the time of crop tops and low-rise jeans and you had to have like literally a concave belly (laughs) to pull those looks off so Considering the time that this was from, the style of the day, and the fact that we were just all so, like, taboo about talking about eating disorders and, like, people having eating disorders, it was seen as some kind of, like, moral failing back then, even with all of the outside pressures of having to look a certain way because of, you know, the style of the time, so... I don't really fault Taylor for like describing it in this way, but I I just, I wouldn't describe it that way now. I don't think she would either. And like you were saying, we're not skinny shaming, but for the purpose of people who may like listen to this, who are Gen Z and did not grow up under the millennial generation, just like Chandler was saying, you know, it was pushed heavily in the media to be so skinny we did not have body positivity on like a range of normal body sizes. It was deathly skinny or nothing. And, you know, you see a lot of like, if you go back to the early 2000s and like you see Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears with the hip huggers, which were, you know, are the low rise jeans, I guess is what we call them now. The hip huggers with like what Chandler was saying, the crop tops showing off like the inches of stomach. And it was just, you know, you had to be real thin, you know, that's all that was pushed on magazines and girls and images. And it created like a huge problem, I think, for millennials. But then at the same time, like Chandler was saying, it was very taboo to talk about your body, like in that way, and to talk about um, eating disorders. Yeah, it was like, everybody needed to be skinny. But if you were if you had an eating disorder, because of the need to be skinny, there was something wrong with you. And That's the part of it that doesn't make sense in, like, my brain now, like, in how we handled that as a society back in, like, the mid-2000s. And not to say that, that, like, this doesn't still occur today, like, even though as a society we have grown from, and and 
it's not as taboo to talk about eating disorders. Like there's obviously, it's still really pushed in the media, I think. And then we see that actually with Taylor's uh, Miss Americana documentary, when she talks about her trouble with her body image and how she herself had an eating disorder later on. So it's kind of, it goes full circle. And it's unfortunate that it does, but... (laughs) I imagine that this song had probably a different meaning for Taylor back in, like, the 1989 era. Right. I would, yeah, I would say that for sure. It's like, you look at those pictures of Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and things like that, they were famously known as coke addicts, and cocaine famously makes you extremely skinny, and it's sad that we pushed them as a society to be so skinny that they felt the need to turn to that to keep up that that relevancy appearance and then we on the backhand yes that pure appearance and then on the backhand we shamed them for it like oh you're just a dirty drug addict kind of thing that was so common back then and i feel like it's so much harder for celebrities especially like taylor swift talks about it in the miss americana documentary if People are constantly picking them apart, and it's no matter what you do, you're always doing something wrong. 100%. Like, it will never be enough, ever, for her. Like, especially for Taylor, like, just from a a female standpoint, just as a woman, it'll never be enough. For her as a songwriter, it'll never be enough. It doesn't matter that she wrote an entire album by herself at, like, the age of 19. She will always have to continue to try to prove herself. Like, she'll never be skinny enough. She'll never be pretty enough. She'll never have a good enough singing voice. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And she's still writing songs about her ex-boyfriend, even though that's not <laughs> She still dates a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. So she's literally been with Joe for, what, almost five years five now? Years now? <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite documentaries, I don't know if you guys ever watched it, um, Misrepresentation. It is, like amazing i went to a conference once in high school it was like a women's international i don't know what it was and it was a conference and they were premiering that video and we got we got to see it before it was released and i think now you can watch it on streaming services i don't know which streaming services but they really talk about the celebrities in the 2000s the ones we have mentioned and how similar to how taylor's picked apart they did the same thing and I mean, it, it never ends. I think it's always going to be something that's going to be talked about. Especially when you're a celebrity because you're in the spotlight so much. Yeah. And people are so obsessed with celebrities and so obsessed with pop culture. Yeah. One thing that I've never, I don't know that I never noticed it, but not, one thing that I haven't really actively thought about is we as young women growing up in this society, we felt the pressure I don't want to speak for everybody, but I know that I felt the pressure to look a certain way because of how celebrities looked and how models looked and how my friends looked and how I thought I was supposed to look. But imagine being that person that everybody is setting the standard on. I I can't even imagine what it must be like. And it goes back to what Lizzie was saying about what Taylor said in the Miss Americana documentary where she would just, like, they would see a picture of her where it looked like, I don't know, not even that she looked pregnant, but they would be like, oh, Taylor is pregnant. And imagine just, like, being bloated (laughs) and then, like, having paparazzi take all these pictures and then 
all these news outlets, people who sit around, like, because, you know, there are all those TV shows and web shows where people just sit around and talk about celebrity gossip. All these people sitting around talking about how you look pregnant and really you're just on your fucking period and we're bloated, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. I can't either. And I can't imagine, like, somebody being naturally very skinny that's their natural body type and then all of a sudden like you said chan they're like put as the blueprint for this and it's like they never asked to do that and to be that way to be that person you know it's their natural body type and then they get shamed for it as well for being that skinny or influencing girls to be that skinny when they're just literally breathing like it's just part of their natural body as well bailey do you have any critical acclamations or awards to speak of for this song so not there aren't really critical acclamations specific to this track any of the awards the album won that's really it but chris neal in country weekly review deemed taylor a success compared to other aspiring teenage country artists because of her honesty intelligence and idealism and i really think that this critique speaks to this song especially because of what it was written about. It's so honest and she's just, when we get to the lyrics, you can really tell how she feels about this friend and how important this friend is to her. And I think that it's it's just so honest and it's it's a different kind of honesty than what we've seen before. Also, Taylor's experimented with a lot of other genres But she never really strayed from her country roots because she still has the honesty, the intelligence, and the idealism throughout her career. And the depictions that come from the lyricism and folklore and evermore really capture the intelligence in her work because of how profound the lyrics are and how she's able to take us to a completely different place in those songs on those albums. 100%. So that's all I had. Cool. So we can dive right into the lyrics. Okay. I'll start with verse one. Seems the only one who doesn't see your beauty is the face in the mirror looking back at you. You walk around here thinking you're not pretty, but that's not true because I know you. I'm going to pause before we go to like anything else. This song, I think it can be really tied to body dysmorphia. I've always struggled with that. And like, I can just relate to this this verse on a deeper level you know what I mean yeah I've struggled with what I would assume is body dysmorphia I've never like been diagnosed or anything but like you know when you're in middle school I I just had this idea of what I looked like when I was in middle and high school and as an adult looking back at those pictures I'm like I was I was tiny I was a I was a skinny like I wasn't as skinny as some girls but I was pretty tiny and it's heartbreaking to think back at how I would like not post pictures on Facebook and I would not wear certain things and I would just police myself because of how I thought I looked and it just wasn't an accurate I didn't have an accurate idea of what I looked like even when I was looking at myself so I I completely relate to this as well I actually (laughs) I actually feel like this this song, and especially this first verse, kind of gives me this is me trying vibes, but maybe from the opposite point of view. So this is about her friend, and she's singing this basically to her friend, but this is me trying could almost be from her friend's point of view. 
That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe not the effect of, you know, an eating disorder, body dysmorphia, but just that feeling in general, just that feeling that this song portrays in general, that you're not good enough. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, this is me trying or even Mirable, but Mirable, like those are from her point of views where, like you said, it's different, but I can see those being like siblings almost in a weird way. Songs, sibling songs. Yeah. Okay. And thank you for sharing that, Chandler. Like your story too, because like I yeah, I think that's really important. I freak out. Like I've always been like really, really thin growing up, and it wasn't until this past year that I started noticing like different changes in my body, and I like freaked out. Where like I'm like gaining weight, but it also has to do with like this whole year was like a pandemic or this past year and I did I wasn't really as active as I used to be but I was really struggling with it because none of my clothes fit and like you go through this like psychological thing where you're like what's wrong with me you automatically think that something's wrong with you when honestly it, it's just it naturally happens when you get older and also your body changes it just happens it, it, you aren't going to stay the same as you were when you were a teenager or even in your earlier 20s so yeah. 20 is completely unprecedented like we couldn't do anything we couldn't go anywhere yeah you know you, you got the feeling that if you went outside you were you know just not doing what was expected and it's just so what are you supposed to do like you're just sitting inside and you're eating because you're bored and you're just watching tv or not going out you're bored or depressed over everything that's going on in the world like there's a lot of reasons why weight gain and weight has fluctuated for a lot of people this past year and like one thing that we don't teach there are a lot of things that happened to me growing up and one of the main things is i I danced. I grew up in leotards and tights in front of mirrors. And not that I think that dance is inherently going to cause you to feel this way, but for me it did. And that that was a huge part of it. But there was a lot. But nobody explained, I mean, I guess I'm sure it was explained to me, but like, I feel like we don't do a good job of explaining that your body changes to to better serve you. You know, we don't really explain that your body it's normal for your weight to fluctuate it's normal for your body to change and it's not really anything to freak out over and I think that honestly I think Taylor's a really good example of that because she went from being very very skinny in 1989 when she was struggling with an eating disorder to how she is now and she's beautiful she's beautiful both times I mean I look at old pictures of her from like 2014 now and I'm like oh my god like she's so skinny like why didn't we notice anything about this back then but seeing pictures of her now she's still like she's in shape but she's got like healthy I guess meat on her bones I don't know I don't want like Taylor Swift to hear this and think I'm like shaming her in any way because I don't think she looked like necessarily bad before but knowing that she had she was struggling like she looks way better now I think she looks great and I think that it's it's great for younger fans to see her go from struggling and talking about struggling with an eating disorder in her documentary and see her now and see her happy and healthy and, you know, living her life. And I think that that's a great, I don't know, I'm rambling at this point, so we can move on. <laughs> no, 
I mean, I agree with whatever, everything you're saying. I mean, I just think that like, this year or this past year, I was talking to my mom about this, actually. It's like she also has the same problem where like she's very much into like vintage clothing. And so none of her vintage clothing like fits her anymore. And by the way, hi, mom, I love you if you're listening. <laughs> and we were talking about, you know, once, you know, the pandemic is over, I'm saying in this in quotes, because it, you know, COVID's not going away. But once it's better and, th- you know, restrictions are lifted, et cetera, then people will not, we're going to lose weight automatically because you have to work on yourself and everything and like all that stuff. But you know, a lot of it is out of our control. And like you said, we should really start teaching everyone that your body is going to change. It, you, there is no way that your body is going to stay the same forever. <laughs> like as much as that, like I would love to stay how I looked when I was like 20, 22, but I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. And you just have to learn to love the body that you're in now. And that's, that's how I'm going to end this. That's it. Love the body that you're in now because you only have one body. It's yours. So love it. <laughs> Why waste your time making yourself feel like crap Yeah. about something like that, especially you know, during a pandemic? I realized, like, I was like, okay, well, if I don't fit in any of my clothes, well, it's just an excuse to buy new clothes. So whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to buy a whole new wardrobe now. So whatever. All right. The chorus. Hold on, baby, you're losing it. The water's high. You're jumping into it and letting go, and no one knows that you cry, but you don't tell anyone that you might not be the golden one. And you're tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. I think this is one of her best written choruses. I agree. Probably of all time. I was going to say it's just so deep, and she was so young when she wrote it. And it, it's heartbreaking. It, it, It kind of, the line where she says that you cry, but you don't tell anyone, it reminds me of the line in Teardrops on My Guitar, I'll put your picture down and maybe get some sleep tonight. It's just, it's so heartbreaking because I feel like at one point or another, we've all been there. We all have been in a place where we just feel like we're not, we're not where we expected ourselves to be or we feel like we're not good enough because we spend so much time comparing ourselves to other people who we feel are better than us when it, in reality, that's not really the case. Yeah. And just the metaphor of tied together, you're tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. That metaphor is so beautifully written. I mean, she's she's basically saying that this girl has put on this face, this fake smile, and her life seems perfect and everything is wonderful because she's putting on this fake smile, but she's getting to the point where she can't hold on anymore. Like, she can't keep her smile on. Like it says, you're tied together with a smile and you're coming undone. That metaphor just blows me away. It's almost like young Taylor is talking to her 1989 Taylor in this song. I mean... Ugh, I I get chills like after I read the chorus because you it also just shows like how good of a friend Taylor is like she is observant one and it seems like she genuinely cares about this friend like that she's writing about and 
whoever the friend is, I hope she's okay now. <laughs> yeah. Because... Yeah. Back to that metaphor, Chandler. I've never thought about it that way, to a degree. Like, it really is beautiful. And I think one of the reasons this song is so beautiful, and it's very underrated as well, is because she wrote a song about this transitional period. A lot of times when we have songs written, it's about knee-jerk reactions or very strong reactions, like should have said no, or teardrops on my guitar where it's you're dealing with extreme anger or extreme heartbreak or extreme love. Like all of these extreme songs are written in. Songs like this are so hard to nail because you're dealing with that in-between period. This person hasn't completely come undone yet. She hasn't gone off the rails, right? You know, you're not experiencing extreme heartbreak or extreme love or betrayal or any of those like super strong emotions that people find themselves sitting down and like just being really passionate about writing a song. But this is that just in-between period where you're seeing this character just start to come apart. You're witnessing that. You don't see that a lot in music. And I am so thankful she wrote this song about this. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there are so many people out there who can relate to this song, regardless of the, you know, the body image issues, the pot, like the eating disorder. Like, you could say that for anything, like, people can feel this way about anything at all, really. Um, and we know that this is about her friend having an eating disorder. But, like, nothing really in the lyrics actually says eating disorder. Right. It's it's just vague enough, but it's also got enough details to resonate with a really large audience, I feel like. And it's, it's an important... It's a really important song. I think this is probably one of the most important songs she wrote for her first album. And like you said, I'm really glad that she included this and she wrote this song. And I love your point about it being about a transitional period instead of like a reactionary song. Like she's not reacting. Well, she was reacting to an event, but she was writing from the perspective of what happens before the big event happens, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like you don't see that a lot in music. I feel like, I mean, maybe it's out there. I haven't seen it a lot. I feel like, you know, we talk about in some of our previous episodes, we talked about, a place in this world and even the outside that it shows her maturity. A couple of the lines show her maturity, but I think this song really shows her maturity more than any of the other ones, because you're right, Chandler, the metaphor of you're tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. I just, and she is talking about a friend who has a eating disorder, but she never mentions any of that. You would never know that this about a friend having an eating disorder because of the way that she's writing it yeah you're you're right you know it can can be applied to a lot of situations you know I think what breaks my heart about this song is that we learned in the documentary and through her diaries that she released on lover that she has struggled having a healthy relationship with eating for a very long time most likely during the debut period yeah Um, because I think like Sorry. Early on. Yeah, no, yeah. they were really early on. I remember the ice cream thing about the um it being like very low calories or no sh- sugar or something something like that. I'd have to look up the specific details. Does anybody know it off the top of their head? Um, I don't know it off the top of my head, but the the diary entry from the Lover Diaries that stick like jumped out to me is the one where she said 
basically like, oh, sigh, I'm dieting again. I think it just kind of goes back to that toxic diet culture, that toxic, and we we know toxic diet culture still exists today, absolutely. But like back in our middle and high school days, the diet was like, you don't eat as much. You, it's yeah, not that you, you ate don't better. What? Sorry. Or you don't eat at all. Yeah. yeah, like like back then it was like it wasn't like oh I'm gonna stay away from sugar or, or oh I'm gonna cut back on carbs. It was like oh I'm only going to eat three cookies today and that's all I'll eat all day long. Like I I had a friend in middle school who did that. She would literally get like a carton of milk and like two or three cookies at lunch and that's all she would eat until dinner time. That's what and- I used to do, like that kind of thing. Dieting, diet culture was so bad when we were in middle and high school and when we were Taylor's age group like that. It has changed a lot in the past, I want to say, probably 10 years or so. Like, you don't see, because, like, when we grew up, we had Atkins, you had South Beach. What else did we have? I mean, there were so many different Uh, dieting programs. Yeah. And, oh, gosh, what's the one I'm thinking of? The one with Marie Osmond. No, the the shakes. I'm I'm cutting this out, but it's Shakeology. No. um, Oh, I know what you're talking about. The shakes. Um, my mom did it too. My mom's on every diet. In 2015, and it was horrible. I know exactly what you're talking about. I did it in high school. I remember being 15 years old, and I was going to turn 16, and I made this this little like poster, you know. Those were really big to make back when we were growing up before social media, you know, with like our cool like markers and stuff. And I made this poster. Slim about... Fast. Slim Fast. Yes. Slim Fast was huge. So I made, and I did that too in high school. I made this poster 16 pounds by my 16th birthday. I wanted to lose 16 pounds before I turned 16. And I'm about five foot seven. And I've been that way since I was like 16. And at the time I was like 120 pounds. So I would have been barely like 100 pounds had I lost 16 pounds for my 16th birthday. And the fact that I thought that that was like attainable, you know what I mean? And like that wasn't my only issue. You know, like I've joked around before in our group chat when we were like talking about our champagne problems. When I accidentally, because I'm an idiot and I can't freaking count. I've never been good at math. It's like a running joke in our family. Overdosed on diet pills. And I was 16. That was like going into our junior year of high school. And it got out and people made fun of me for it. And I'll never forget that experience because even back then I didn't understand. Like to this day, like I have to be really careful with caffeine because I already have heart issues. And the caffeine was the trigger on those diet pills that I had to get taken to the ER for. I will like never forget when my hands like and feet started going purple and black because I had drank or taken too many and things like that. And yeah, like I collapsed and I couldn't walk and stuff. It was really bad. And, but like, it took me being in retrospect to be like, what kind of like, like my mentality, you know what I mean? Like being 16 years old and I was still was 120, I was like probably 122 pounds at that point at almost five foot seven, taking diet pills like that to the point where I overdosed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh my gosh, like, and you don't realize like how unhealthy your relationship is with like food and things like that, especially in that time, because that was just so normal. 
that was normal. And the thing is, is like, you don't, you didn't talk about it. You were expected to be that skinny. You did those kinds of things, but it was taboo to be talked about. It was taboo to only eat milk and cookies for lunch or something like that. You were just expected to be that skinny, but it was expected to be swept under the rug at the same time. For sure. Moving on to the second verse. I guess it's true that love was all you wanted because you're giving it away like it's extra change, hoping it will end up in his pocket, but he leaves you out like a penny in the rain. Oh, because it's not his price to pay. It's not his price to pay. I feel like this verse gets even sadder because knowing that she wrote this about her friend who pretends everything is just fine, but secretly thinks that there's something wrong with her, that she's, you know, overweight. She has an eating disorder, but all she wants is to be loved and valued like that. It's just this this verse is very sad to me. I agree. The part where it says the last few lines, it almost sounds like an abusive relationship, but not even abusive in the fact that, you know, somebody else is abusing you like you're abusing yourself because you keep putting yourself down because you feel this way about yourself like oh I'm not good enough I'm not skinny enough I'm not pretty enough yeah Yeah, like the self-depreciation kind of thing Mm -hmm. like an internal like maybe sometimes it's not conscious that you do it when all you're trying all you desperately want is acceptance and to feel that love that you internally sometimes do this like almost like a fatal flaw of a you know what I mean of a person maybe Chandler earlier you mentioned that the song can be relatable to a lot of different scenarios and now that I'm reading this it says but he leaves you out like a penny in the rain and it's almost like what happened with Taylor and Big Machine mm-hmm. she asked that her music not be sold to a specific person and then it was and then she got nothing in return I'm and because of that, like I'm I'm really excited to hear the re-recording of this. Yeah. Like it's going to be really heartbreaking, but especially because Taylor's been through an eating disorder situation of her own. And now like that specific line, like it just screams what happened with Scott and Scooter to me. And I just I cannot wait to hear this re-recording. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it with her, like, more developed vocals. Mm-hmm. I will say something else about this verse is it kind of gives, it kind of gives the impression that she's talking about this girl, like, maybe sleeping around to try yes. and find value from someone. But she's, like it says, he leaves you out at, like, a penny in the rain because it's not his price to pay. Because, yeah. like, he doesn't, like, owe you validation. Just, I don't know. That's um, what I thought. It's it- a little misogynistic. It looking is. back. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I, I don't like, think she meant it that way. I want to put that out there. I don't think she set out with it, but it can come off that way. No, but yeah. like you mentioned before, it's that internalized fatal flaw. It's the internalized misogyny that we have that we feel like we need to sleep around so that we can get that worth from other people. Or we feel like we need other people's validation to verify our worth. That's completely misogynistic yeah I think if Taylor wrote this song in 2021 she probably would not have worded this verse quite like she did it it just rings very true of purity culture and like 
right. all that stuff that was like super. I don't know. It was like trendy when we were in high school. Yeah, like kind of slut shaming in a little way. I don't want to say that about Taylor, but it's it's got a little bit of slut shaming vibes, but in like a loving way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think she means it. Like we said before, she doesn't mean it, but that's the way it comes across. She's a product no, of her time, like mm-hmm. purity culture mentality first of all again this is about high school students and i i mean i personally don't think high school students should be sleeping around to try and find validation (laughs) right that's the issue it's the validation if you're sleeping around because you want because you enjoy it and that's your thing like do you but it's when you do it for the wrong reason for the validation you'll never find happiness that way. You will never find your validation that way. And it's toxic and damaging for yourself. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of women in their twenties kind of find themselves in that rut, I guess, of maybe not sleeping around, but like jumping from like relationship to relationship in a way that like the media, like our society shames women for and sometimes it is because like there you know you we all know that one girl who had a boyfriend had a different boyfriend every week and you know when they broke up she'd go find another one and it's not necessarily because they were sleeping around it's just because you know maybe she doesn't want to be alone maybe she only sees herself as valuable based on like if a man wants her which is something that our society has ingrained in women is that like your value is as much as what a man sees you as like your worth is only as much as what men think you're worth and that's completely untrue but it's a devastating aspect of our patriarchal society yep absolutely i could definitely see this i think from taylor's perspective she mentioned in that quote that we talked about earlier that this girl was a pageant queen and she basically had guys lining up to be with her, right? I'm sure this girl had plenty of boyfriends and then for her, she probably wanted a more serious relationship or a guy to like see her and want her beyond the face value. And when that didn't happen, this is like the result of that. He leaves you out like a penny in the rain because it's not his price to pay. she's never she never received that validation and so then she continues that cycle of finding another guy if that makes sense in in seeking this and seeking this to be seen to be loved to be heard kind of thing there's nothing wrong like we all want to be loved and valued and appreciated and I don't want anybody to listen to this conversation that we're having and think that we're trying to slut shame or we're trying to shame Taylor for how she wrote this or anything like that. I think we all kind of see all facets of these lyrics. And of course, they're up for interpretation. I think very well it could be the way that, you know, the time that we were all raised and how we came to know this song might reflect how we interpret the song, especially since, you know, we're four straight white girls (laughs) without, you know, not a very diverse group of opinions, more or less. We we had pretty similar upbringings, I feel like. So that, that can really color how we're interpreting it. So if anybody else, like, disagrees, just know that, like, we're not trying to say that, like, what we think is the end-all be-all of these lyrics, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry. I just really feel like we're going to get... <laughs> if anybody I mean- listens to this... 
I think this kind of reminds me too a little bit of like 15 when she's talking about Abigail like yeah it it's kind of reminds me well like also and and not just that because I thought about that as well but when she says you know in your life you're gonna do greater things than dating the boy on the football team but I didn't know it at 15 or when a guy tells you he loves you you're gonna believe him I think this is a really good sister song in that because yeah this you know this that song's looking back and this song's more in the moment, but it's the same kind of vibes given off. You yeah. know, where at, at the time you don't understand, you can't see through to the other side of people's intentions. And yeah, especially in high school, especially in high school, we're all like growing. You know, I've seen this like meme been going around on Facebook, I think, a lot, which I guess Gen Z is going to be like cracking up at me for this. And like that quote of like, if you knew me only from like high school or middle school, you only got like first season me. You don't actually know like who I am kind of thing. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like to that degree. That is so true. Like who I am and now is completely different than who I was in high school. What happens next is, so the chorus repeats two times and the second time it's kind of like quieter. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I literally have this. So it, the second time it repeats the first few lines, the music is so soft and her voice almost overpowers the music. And yes. she, we talk about this so many times in so many other episodes, but she does this so often. And I love it because you can always feel the emotion behind it and how yes. she is truly feeling about the situation. And I love that about her. And when she gets to and letting go and no one knows, she like really like belts that and then the music picks up again. Yes. And that's really the end of the song. There's just like, I don't know if you guys, I got my lyrics yeah, from the lyrics booklet. There's Belting. an intro and it just says, you're tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. Goodbye, baby, with a smile, baby, baby. And then that's the end of the song. Yeah, so... And then it kind of just, after she's done singing, the outro goes on for a little while. Which is not. It was almost like 45 seconds, I think, that it keeps going. I did not think to listen to it. Now I wish that I had. This is one of her songs similar to like Cold As You that I like also belt. Like when it comes on, I'm like, Mm -hmm. really get into it. (laughs) Yeah. I remember not liking the song at first because like I didn't get it and by at first I mean like when I first got the album in 2007 and listened to it all the way for the all the way through but once you like once I listened to the lyrics it quickly like the importance of the song really stuck with me and I got it like I know I keep I said this in cold as you too so people are gonna think I'm like a fucking idiot but (laughs) a lot of the songs a lot of these the songs on this album it took me a while to like understand like and I keep saying, like, I was in middle school. Like, I was 12 when she released this album. I was, like, 12 or 13 when I first heard this whole album all the way through. So a lot of the, really a lot of the smarter, like, less obvious lyrics didn't make sense to me for a a minute. Yeah, same. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier, life experiences. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It wasn't, I remember thinking that 
I remember this not being one of my favorite songs, but now I kind of, it's still not one of my favorites, but I, I have a deeper appreciation for the song because I've been through life. Like I've experienced life and I've experienced some of what she's talking about. Maybe not to the same capacity, but I've experienced, you know, not feeling like you're good enough and not feeling like you fit in. Yeah. Yeah. I think in retrospect, as an adult, I have a deeper appreciation for this song. Understanding like this is a very heavy topic she's dealing with knowing what exactly she's writing about here. And the fact she did this at such a young age, is just like, yeah. It speaks to her abilities. Once again, I feel like I say that every freaking podcast episode. So, like, maybe one day it'll stick for someone who's, like, not really a fan. And maybe we'll make them a fan. I don't know. But <laughs> it just, like, it it goes to show. Like, and then once you're, like, what you're saying, Bailey, like, as an adult, looking back at this in retrospect and seeing those experiences and, like, looking back nostalgically on those experiences, you have a deeper appreciation for this because... At some point, we've all related to this. Yeah, I definitely agree. My favorite lyrics are in the first chorus. And it's, but you don't tell anyone that you might not be the golden one and you're tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. That's one of my favorite ones. We've talked about this a little bit, but like in like exactly what Bailey was saying, we have all at some point been hiding behind a mask and that has started to slip. And we all at some point, like, have felt like we aren't good enough for whatever reason. Society, parents, friends, relationships, we've all been there. And we've all, like, hid that part of ourselves because we don't want to burden others with our issues. Yep. I was going to say, that's my exact, the exact same line as my favorite, but you cry, but you don't tell anyone that you might not be the golden one. And you're tied together with a smile, but you're coming undone. Like that metaphor, like you were saying, Chandler is just so. So sad. It is so sad. It really is. But y'all know me; I love a good sad song. (laughs) So, the like this metaphor just—I know I said it earlier, but it's so beautiful and it's heartbreaking, and at the same time, it's so relatable. How was she like fifteen years old writing this album? Sixteen years old, and coming up with something like this old soul i'm telling you i say that i said that before but it's true she's beyond her age almost yeah i agree she's definitely an old soul i think this song can also relate to people who struggled with mental illness depression things like that like yeah someone who struggles with really bad anxiety and depression where i have to like manage it daily like just feeling that way sometimes i have learned like as an adult that sometimes the people who give off the happiest type of vibes are typically the people who are struggling the most inside. And this song reminds me of that. And maybe it's an internal overcompensation that they don't realize that can happen sometimes. But I've also been there too, where it's like, you're just putting on a smile because that's the only thing you can do at that point. Yeah. But inside... Yeah, and you are a shell. That's the perfect way to say it. And, like, it's you're so pretty on the outside, maybe, but you're just empty on the inside. And so, yeah. I think my favorite line, or lines, is the water's high, you're dropping into it, into it and letting go. And no one knows. That's yes. a line that we didn't really, like, talk about. For real. But the imagery of... 
the water's high and you're jumping into it and letting go, like, you're, like, she's drowning, you know? Yeah. She's drowning and she's about to give up and, you know, it's not. It's really yeah. real. Like, yeah. I mean, it. you get to a point in what she is talking about, like, that feeling of, like, being so overwhelmed by, you know, either society or, like, just, you know, that idea of being perfect, of being, like, having the perfect body, being the perfect person, whatever, it just gets too much, and it, you lose control, and then you do jump in, and you're letting go, and it can be very dangerous and very scary, and this talks, you know, like, back to what you were saying, depression, and it ties it all together, it ties it all together. It does, like, it, at some point, like you're saying, Lizzie, it gets to be too much when you're living for the validation of others, and it will drown you, it's so bad. My favorite lyric is, it's so simple, but I just love the meaning behind it. You walk around here thinking you're not pretty, but that's not true. Just like we were saying before, even even though you may not feel good about yourself and even though you may not think that you're pretty, there will always be someone else who thinks that you are enough and who thinks the world of you and who thinks you are all of the things that you think that you're not. And if you think that nobody thinks that about you, I think that about you. I'm that's not also, joking. It, it is, yeah, that's so true. And, like, it's a lie that we tell ourselves. Because it is easy to say that to somebody else. And then, like, you don't even right. think about it. You don't even think that about yourself. So, like, it, I don't that's know. That's so true. I was thinking about that earlier today. I was just thinking about the fact that, like, you know, I've, this past year of the pandemic, really struggled with, like, my weight and my body image again, and I was literally sitting there thinking, I totally will gas up anybody else, like, I will be the biggest hype woman, like, I true, and it's not because I'm, like, full of whatever, like, I'm not full of it, like, I honestly, truly see this sounds so cheesy, but I really do see like the beauty in everybody. And I was just sitting there thinking about how like, oh, but not me. Like I, I I was sitting there thinking, oh, but if I could look like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I literally was just sitting there thinking about how like, I don't think that my weight gain looks good. And that's just because it's on me, you know, like. It's that it's body dysmorphia again. You know, I'm the same way. Like, it's like, I see other people, and I'm like, I wish I could be that pretty, but I'm way harder on myself. Rebecca literally sent me a picture trying to prove to me that she's not a cute pregnant lady, and I was like, you're literally the cutest pregnant lady I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, like, refused to let people take pictures of me in the hospital, and my mother still did. I love you, Mom. Still mad about that. <laughs> Because it's just, it was it was so bad. Like, for me, like, having body dysmorphia and then being pregnant is, like, on another level. You know what I mean? Because, like, when you have body dysmorphia, you, like, struggle on a daily basis with, like, your, your image. You're usually really hard on yourself. But when you're pregnant, you cannot control your weight gain. Like, I could eat nothing and I will swell up and I will look like a beach whale. Like, it, like I just get... I had She's to stop like looking one of those at you, pretty beautiful influencer type pregnant ladies. I promise you, I'm not. She is. <laughs> but again, like what we were saying in the beginning, like you are literally producing life. Like that is like 
a huge fucking thing and like your body changes with that and it's normal and there is no perfect like pregnant body and there is no perfect body in general and like I can preach this all I want but I also have the same kind of issues like with my own body so it you know in terms of like I guess body dysmorphia like you know just not like agreeing with like weight gain at all like I like freak out I'm like this is not real like I you know I'm not gaining weight but yeah I don't even know how we got here how did we get here this uh, this episode was gonna be short but (laughs) it's not it never will be we should just give up (laughs) right this is a serious song so I think it I think it's good that we're talking about this yeah so I I will say my other favorite lyrics and I know we like I don't want to say hated on them for a while but we talked about it in depth and I'm glad we talked about it in depth because I think it needed to be said but I will say I do really like in the second verse that whole verse I guess it's true that love was all you wanted because you're giving it away like it's extra change hoping it'll end up in his pocket but he leaves you out like a penny in the rain I really like those verses for me because I relate to them really well. I went through this phase and like we've joked about it like in our champagne problems, how I'm always like the dumper, never the dumpy. I've been dumped once and I cannot tell you how many boyfriends I've had because I don't even know if I could count them all. And that's, this was me. Like this was me. I was this girl, like always seeking validation, wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard in a relationship. And then when you get with a guy and you're like, that's not what they want, obviously, because guys suck. We yep. pretty much hate all men here <laughs> in this podcast. Um, and you realize that it can like, it's really like when you when you see that like you're doing that to yourself and you find that fatal flaw, that intrinsic fatal flaw in yourself of like seeking that validation and acceptance and love. And then you find out you're not getting that and it just, it kills you. So yeah. yeah. It also, like, messes with you forever. Like, you right. constantly think that, like, even, you know, like, there's, like, memes about it. Like, you're at the altar with, like, your husband-to-be or your husband, and you're like, do you still like me, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you like like me? Or do you know what I mean? Like, that that have you guys seen that meme? I, I literally like- asked my husband yesterday <laughs> if he would be my friend if we weren't married or if he only hung out with me because he had to because we were married. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah, like, it sometimes doesn't I go turn away. Like, even when you're like... in a happy relationship, you still feel like, yeah, like you're not gonna like leave me, right? Like you're here for good, right? Right. <laughs> that insecurity is like still there. Like I like I'll ask Jesse randomly. I'm like, you still love me, right? Because like I know I'm a shit show to put up with, but. <laughs> I did tell him that I was like, you knocked me up. Like, we're not divorcing. I don't care what you said. We have a kid. Like, we're really in it. Like, not saying we were in it before when we were married. But, like, once you have a kid, like, I'm not doing the co-parenting thing. Sorry, babe. Like, (laughs) thick or thin, baby. We're together. (laughs) You're stuck with me. Okay. So the secret message in this song is you are loved. Aw. It gives me, like, to write love on her arms vibes. It was very popular when this <gasps> came out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I had a bracelet. Like, I'm getting, that's like, like, to write love on her arms. I really wanted one of the t shirts. I used to write love. We used to write love. Yes. We used to literally put, like, the heart on the inside yeah. of our wrists. Like, that was, like, a huge thing. Or, and, like, sometimes we'd write the actual word love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would do. Heart. I would write L 
heart instead of an O, V E. Yes, we did that. That was so big back, like in our millennial culture. I had, I literally had, <laughs> I literally had specific sharpies for drawing on myself at school. So, like, I, I, I was into it. I remember my <laughs> mom like used to hate it. She gets so had that mad. Bracelet. I think you did too. You guys were like, you were cool if you had the bracelets. My mom wouldn't let me go into hot topic. <laughs> I just never, like, had my own, like, money to spend on random crap, so. But, yeah, it does give me that. I really like that she wrote that. Because I know that, like, the second verse can be taken wrong. And we, I, I like, just know in my heart that, like, Taylor didn't mean that, like. Oh, yeah, in, no, for sure. In any kind of malicious way. And it was meant to be in a loving way. And it's just so good to see that, like, secret message that she truly, like, cared for this person on a deep level you know what's interesting it's like that's the second verse is like kind of what the media sees taylor as like yeah. right yeah right in the future well and i'm <laughs> guessing we don't have any more final thoughts since we've like really talked a lot in this episode yeah that's good my final thought would be that looking back on this song a huge deeper appreciation which we talked about but it also makes me a little bit sad because Taylor wrote this from this perspective for her to go through this like a decade and a half later. Yep. Yeah. And Which... I don't know if she ever imagined herself being almost to a degree, the girl that she wrote this about, you know? And I think that's a lot of the media's fault that yeah. contributed to that. And it makes me really sad. And I, I'm like, we said this before, but I'm really excited to listen to the re-recording, not only for her vocal growth, but yeah, just because she herself have gone through yeah, the new content. she's talking about. Agree. Yeah, that's my final thoughts, too. Thanks for this chat, y'all. This was a, this was a good chat. It was. This was I can see a lot of future Monday moods coming from uh, this song. There's this definitely, song. definitely right. some uh, good lyrics there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Criminally underrated for sure. Yeah. Criminally. I agree. We discuss a lot of heavy topics in this episode. If you or anyone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, or mental health in general, please check out the resources listed in this episode's description. And remember, you are loved. Thanks for listening to our podcast and look out for our next episode where we continue our exploration of Taylor Swift's debut album with Stay Beautiful. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get updates on next episodes. Handles for our social media accounts can be found in the description as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye. 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 Bye.